Well, 2020 has finally ended and it's, it's been a, a challenging year. I know for many of you, you're just glad it's, it's all over. But it's always worth taking a moment and actually just thinking, what have I learned? What, how have I grown this year? It has often been said that you will learn more through the difficult situations than you will through the easy ones. And that it's very true. So one of the big lessons of this year for many people is that they've had to learn to manage with less. Less contact with other people. Also, less work. And as a result, less money to spend. Now, of course, everyone needs a certain amount of money to live on, to provide food, to provide clothes, to provide shelter. But this year, I know for some of you, you've taken time out to ask the question, how much is enough? How much do we really need? Or to put it another way, do we listen to our society, to our culture that tells us that all we need is more, always more? Or do we listen to scripture which says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil and that only Christ will truly satisfy? Here are two people's experiences of how money has affected them. One night in Christmas night in 2002, Jack Whitaker had matched five out of the five numbers of the West Virginia Lottery. He had just won $314 million, the largest undivided lottery jackpot in history. He, he took the lump sum in one payment and he received $113 million after tax. Jack was a solid church attender, respected member of the church. He, he tithed a tenth of his winnings to the church. He gave 11.3 million to them. Seems somewhat generous. However, listen to what happened next. Over the next few months, he began to frequent a strip club. He then got caught and then convicted of drunk driving. Over the next two years, things went from bad to worse. Jack's marriage was dissolved. His granddaughter, who he had raised, died from a, a drugs overdose. His business dealings led to numerous lawsuits and close friends abandoned him. In fact, all of his winning changed him to the point that many of his friends just could not stand to be around him anymore. The second story comes from the Bible. It describes the experience of Solomon who shares his story in Ecclesiastes. Now, King Solomon went searching for what was really important in life. And it would seem that he tried absolutely everything. Money, of course, being no obstacle to him. However, this is what he discovered. He writes, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work and this was the reward for all my labour. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. It might surprise you that the New Testament talks just as much about money as it does about prayer. So money, just like prayer, is actually a key barometer for where we are heading spiritually. 
And money is the vital last subject of Timothy to consider as Paul teaches him how to guide God's people. Paul has already written about the dangers of, of the love of money and but he has got a very special warning for Timothy to give to those who are rich. Now I guarantee our first reaction to this is to think that well it doesn't really apply to me after all I'm not that well off. But for the large majority of us and I don't know everybody's circumstances of course if you live in the UK, your standard of living means that you are rich in comparison to two-thirds of the world. So, as we bring this book of 1 Timothy to a close at the start of 2021, I want to encourage you, like Paul encourages Timothy, to know where your life is invested. And what sort of treasure are you going to store up for the future. Let's read what Paul writes to Timothy. This is 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 17 to 19. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. See, in Paul's opinion, there is no comparison between God's riches and human riches. Rich or poor, single, married, widowed, Young or old, anyone who follows Jesus has the greatest wealth of all. We have God's grace, God's undeserved gift of mercy, of blessing, of life that is truly life. So at the beginning of 2021, after a hard year, and it's been a tough year, hasn't it? You need to remind yourself of this and see all that you are, in fact, all that you do in relation to what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, because this is the only way to be truly rich. So first of all, this begins when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. You must be born again. Without spiritual birth, there is no spiritual life. 1 Peter chapter 123 says, for you have been born again but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. So when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 he told him that he needed to be born both of water and of the spirit. It's the spirit of God who takes the word of God who generates new life in the heart of the sinner who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's both a mystery, but it's also a miracle. You're saved by faith, and faith comes from the word of God, and it's, it is the spirit of God who brings life. So at the beginning of a new year, I want to urge you once again to make sure that Jesus is Lord of all of your life. Secondly, you must 
Honestly, examine your life in the light of God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate your heart. It's only when you look into the word of God that you will see yourself as you really are. There was a story that's told about a tribesman who looked into the mirror for the very first time. He found it so strange, so shocking that he just smashed it. It's certainly one solution. But many Christians make the same mistake. They don't like what they see, what they read in the Bible, and it's just easier to criticise and to ignore rather than to face up to the challenges within God's Word. But we need to face up to God's Word and allow it to challenge every part of our life. Thirdly, we must obey what God teaches us no matter what it costs. See, it's easy to attend Bible studies, it's easy to read our Bibles, it's easy to preach actually and, and even to discuss these things, but it's much more difficult to put them into practice within your life. It's much harder to live them out in the workplace, in school, in university. You see, the blessing the blessing does not come in the studying of the Word of God, important as that is, but in the doing of the Word of God being filled, being baptised in the Holy Spirit is essential. And listen, God is looking for obedience more than anything else. So let's get practical for a moment. See, it's really challenging, especially if you love money and, and love possessions, to hear Paul's word in verse 18 when he says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And, and, and I think Paul's pretty clear here that, that money itself is not the problem. The issue is how we hold on to it within our hearts. In fact, Paul calls it sheer arrogance when we let a full bank account whisper to us something like this. Everything's okay. If you get into difficulties, you always have me to save you. And what we end up doing, what we end up actually believing, is relying on some form of self-salvation through stocks and shares or pensions and insurance. But the Bible tells us that we need to flip that completely on its head. After all, wealth is precarious. 2021 has certainly taught us that. We should not hope in money. Your hope must only be in God, who is truly rich. So here are some principles that I think we need to apply from our lives that, that, that Paul is, is passing on to Timothy and, and therefore to us. First of all, be humble. See, wealth can so easily make a person proud and, and is so, so deceptive. It's very easy for us to feel smug, almost the sense of superiority after maybe a clever investment or a new purchase or a big deposit. Money's chief attraction is the power it gives and the pride that it feeds. Paul says, don't let that happen. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18, it gives us some great and yet simple advice. It says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you 
power to be successful. Listen, success itself is not wrong, but pride is wrong. You see, you are not owners. You are stewards of what God has given you. See, any wealth that you have received is because of the goodness of God. It's not because you're you sort of have a special merit on your part in any way. You need you need to handle your material wealth with humility. In fact, it should be handled in such a way that gives glory to God, not yourself. Remember how Jesus warns us in Luke chapter 16, verse 19, that it's very possible to be rich in this world and yet poor in the next. A godly person will use everything, everything at their disposal to humbly glorify God in this world and then look forward to the greatest reward that is yet to come. The second thing is that we need to trust God, not wealth. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus told a parable about a rich farmer. This farmer thought that he was completely secure because of his wealth, but actually it showed how insecure he was. And it really highlights his lack of trust in God. And as I've mentioned already, riches are uncertain. Investments can can drop in value, houses and, and cars, well, they just simply wear out and, and get old. It's, it's, it's a false security. But let me go further and say this, that, that the way that you use your money shows where your hope really is. If you've placed your hope in riches, you're not fully putting all of your hope in God. And God wants all of your allegiance. It's so easy to end up loving the gift and forgetting about the giver. So if God gives you wealth, you must trust in him all the more. You must trust in the giver and not in the gifts. Thirdly, enjoy what God has given you. See, one of the reoccurring themes throughout the Bible is the sense of enjoyment that comes from God. In Ecclesiastes, we are told to enjoy the blessings of this life now because, because life will end one day. Now, I know, this, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that this seems to go against everything that I've already been saying. That, and, and yes, we should, we should be marked by our generosity. However, we also need to remember that it is not sinful to enjoy what God has given you. I'm not talking about us living for the pleasure and, and just seeking pleasure in life. But I do want to say that it gives glory to God when you enjoy all that God has given you. And when we do it out of a place of obedience, out of a place of surrender to Jesus Christ, there really is enjoyment in being faithful to God and serving him. And the fourth thing is that we... We must use what God has given us. You should use your wealth, great or small, to do good to others. You should share, you should put your money to work. When 
when you do this, you are enriching yourself spiritually, but also you're making an investment for the future. As Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So, so, so while riches can lead a person into a make-believe world of just shallow pleasure, riches plus God can introduce a person to life that is real and actually that can bring blessings that will last forever. You see, once you have, once you've liberated yourself from this magnet of pride, and that's not easy, and you've put your hope in God, not in money, there's only one thing that's going to happen. You will be released to a level of generosity that will build the kingdom of God, that will bring glory to his name. The hungry will be fed, the sick will be healed, the people people will hear the gospel. And Paul wants us to take hold of it eternal life and not lose it. He, he wants us to be heavenly minded in such a way that takes us past our selfish wants. And when you, when you live life on the brink of eternity with your hope fully in God and your heart guarded from pride, the joy of God will overflow and it will produce a wealth of generosity that will surely affect the lost and the needy world around us. But it really begins when you fully grasp how generous God has been to you. And from this place of gratitude, this place of love, it should cause us to be generous to others. And I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to pray perhaps a risky prayer today. As we start another year, why not ask the Holy Spirit to come and to reveal to you the areas of your finance that you find hardest to let go of. Ask him to show you what it would look like for you to have your hope truly and completely in God. Not only does Timothy encourage generosity, he also tells Timothy to guard truth carefully. These are the last few verses. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 20. He says, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussion with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you all. And throughout this letter, we have been told to never underestimate the pool of false teaching. This is why Paul finishes by reminding Timothy again that he has received God's amazing, incredible grace. In fact, gospel truth is like, it's like a precious, valuable deposit that needs to be guarded with absolute diligence. So it was it was. Timothy's responsibility to guard the deposit and then to pass it on to others who would in turn 
continue to pass it on. And the gospel message tells us of our saviour and of his, of his love for us. It speaks of our redeemer who has delivered us from sin, defeated death, who has brought our forgiveness. It, it's a declaration of our glorious king who helps us, encourages us, leads us, protects us, provides for us. This truth, his truth, gives life true meaning. And with all this at stake, it's really easy to see why Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Timothy, guard this. This is so precious. Timothy, guard this with all that you have. And I want to urge you, I want to urge you to make sure that you are actively resisting anything that would threaten to steal grace from you. See how tragic it is when we hear of people moving away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, departing from the faith. Do not miss the mark. Remember that the encouragements and the challenges of this letter are for every man and woman of God, for all generations, including ours. And this year, as you know, I want, I want to be a good steward of the doctrine of faith. I want to be faithful. I want to stand on biblical truths and share his good news for the sake of God's people and for his salvation. I want to ask you, will you join me in this? See, there are many things that are simply beyond our control as we enter another year, 2020. <laughs> Made that abundantly clear. And things are just as uncertain now, are they not? But there are some things that we can do that will stand the test of time that will be of eternal value. That's where we must be investing. As individuals, as families, as a church. So I want to ask you to guard your own heart. May 2021 be a year where you set your heart on godly treasures, not on earthly wealth. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. May 2021 be a year where you resolve together, as all of us together, to guard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may, may we have the courage to live by God's word even when it's unpopular. Can we do that? And then thirdly, may 2021 be a year of extraordinary generosity that blesses others and builds the kingdom of God. We need Jesus more than we've ever done. But as we seek to enter another year, we need one another as well. We do this together. So would you join me? We make a commitment this year 
to guard your heart as we guard it together we we guard the truth of God's word as we live by the truth of God's word as we're filled with the Holy Spirit may we love one another may we be generous with one another may we make a commitment to honor God in all that we do and all that we say and all that we think so that all glory that all glory goes to him our Lord and Saviour Amen